of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So here's the question. Are there two kinds of Christian? I'm not talking brands here, brands of Christian. There are plenty of those, Orthodox, Roman Catholic, Coptic, Armenian, Episcopalian, Anglican, Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Calvinist, to name but some. And of course, the only ones who've got everything right, uh, Scottish Presbyterianism. That, that, that was a joke, I'm glad you saw that. But it seems that we Christians have got brand diversification down to a fine art. So I'm not talking about brands of Christian. These are indeed many and varied I'm talking about something much deeper and more probing. Are there two kinds of Christian? Are there Christians and born-again Christians? You hear it a lot with sports personalities. They're often very upfront about their faith and their Christian commitment, keen to be known as born-again Christians. And the implication is that there are Christians... And real Christians. They're not quite the real thing. And the born again ones. Who are quite sure they are the real thing. What distinction is being made here? What's really on the table? I suppose it's certainly possible to be a kind of nominal Christian. You know, when people fill in a survey or a questionnaire. Participate in a poll. Put it on the hospital form. Religion. Christian, well, I'm not Muslim and I'm not Hindu, so I better put something in that's better than nothing. As Kingsley Amos, the author, put it, Jones was Episcopalian in that the church he was presently not attending was Episcopalian. But they know, the people who tick the box, and we all know that faith is not about ticking a box, it's not just a, a nod in the direction of something. A kind of theoretical, tenuous link from a safe distance where there's, there's no worship in it, there's no service connected to it, there's no loyalty really shown towards it, no commitment, no involvement, no engagement, just a vague feeling that they have nothing against the church. They may even be fond of it in some unstructured way. They look in at cathedrals when they go on holiday 
but it's all pretty disconnected with no intention of ever becoming connected. So, how real is that? How, how Christian is that? How true is that? But there are, and this is not a theory, this is just how it is with people, how they function. There are levels of entry into this Christianity business. There are those at the very edges, at the very start, not quite sure why they're interested, but they're interested. They want to know more. And there are those who are followers of Jesus, in a way. They're, they're men and women who have a sharp awareness of the limitations of their understanding and their grasp of what it's all about. But they want to make the faith journey. They want to be on the pilgrim way, seeking and knocking and asking. It's, it's all tentative, it's all hesitant, unsure, but they definitely have what they call skin in the game. And there are others who have made their commitment, loud and clear and firm in conviction, wearing their heart on their sleeve, unashamed they come to worship. They are without fuss, looking as to how they can serve God in their life. They, they know who has their heart. For them, God is not just an abstract idea, but a friend, a guide, a, a source of power for living. Their whole life is quietly driven and determined by their desire to please God as they, as they can. Their impulse is to share their story with him, know his love, live close to his heart. Let his love and his principles be the, the founding nature of the, the impulse of their life. So are they born again? They might not describe their relationship with God in those terms. It's deep and powerful and private. Walking with God is integral to who they are. How they view the world as his world. How they see each other as his children. How they deal with other people. And, and certainly from, from time to time in worship, they are touched at a very deep place. They experience very deep spiritual moments. But in their genuine, unassuming nature, you're just as likely to hear them say, oh, listen, I wouldn't call myself a Christian. Expressing a, a deep humility, a sensitive awareness as to what this high calling of being a Christian is all about. And, and that they fail to measure up to it so often. But their faith, beat up and beleaguered by life, their Christian armour, rusted and tarnished by failures large and small, notwithstanding that, their faith is real. It goes very deep in them. It, it is their ultimate concern, their deepest conviction. So no wonder they feel hurt and surprised when subtly or otherwise those who describe their Christian experience with the metaphor of being born again seem to challenge the validity and undermine the worth of what is a perfectly genuine, legitimate experience of Christian faith just not expressed in that confident flamboyance. You walk the walk, 
you search for meaning, you're willing to be a pilgrim, you have a thousand questions and not many answers. You live your faith in God in the fog and confusion of life. But why do people wound them, those people, by the implied inadequacy of their kind of Christianity? The implication seems to be that there's some special way of being a Christian that makes it the real thing, while other approaches, less assured, more clothed in humility, less confident, less upfront, are subtly or not so subtly rubbished as being second class, not quite the real deal. Experience should have taught the church that it's never wise to build an entire theological construct or emphasis or style of church on a few particular verses in the Bible as if they were the whole story. There are many other ways of describing the Christian life, following Jesus, coming to him when we're weary and heavy laden, walking the way of the Lord, other pictures, other metaphors, other models to inform how we define if define we dare, who is and who isn't a real Christian. Now we also know that it's perfectly possible for some people not to develop their faith as much as they could. They settle for the shallows and turn their back on the deep. But we have to be sure we know what the deep is. The story we read of the Pharisee and the sinner is a stark reminder that we need to think very carefully. We need wide categories if we are to understand the true dimensions of the life of faith. Is it knowledge that makes our faith deep and true? Is that what real Christians should aspire to and seek? But the Pharisee had plenty of knowledge. And didn't recognise the Saviour. Is it liturgical purity? The Pharisees did everything by the book and more. And yet they failed to see that the Saviour was among them. What does it mean to walk with God? Is it to have a firm grasp of sound Christian doctrine? Or is it simply to love justice, to show mercy and to walk humbly with our God. This was the tragedy of the Pharisees. They knew it all. They were the real McCoy, the truest of the true, the rightest of the right. But when the Lord of love stood among them, and he loved the unlovely, and sought out the fallen and the broken, the Pharisees wanted to be rid of him. They didn't see it. That to love God, you have to love your neighbour. That's how it works. So give me a kind Christian over a theologically correct one every time. Give me a humble, self-effacing Christian who has an open heart and a welcoming spirit over one who can comfortably pray aloud in public. I want to take issue with anyone who rubbishes the people who love God and serve others as if their kind of Christianity were somehow second-rate. Not quite the real deal. That's not to give ourselves 
permission to stand still. That's not an encouragement to be ignorant about the faith so that we're vulnerable to challenge. It is, however, an insistence that no, there are not two kinds of Christianity, the fake and the real, the born again and the second class citizens of the kingdom. There are Christians, full stop, from wherever they are on the spectrum of belief, who know their limitations and their failures, who throw themselves on the mercy and kindness of God because they know they need that, who know they don't have all the answers, who are acutely aware of their inadequacies as disciples, who wished they were better at this business of being a Christian, and yet they dare to sing from the heart because they believe it with their heart. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Saviour all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Saviour all the day long. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now we spend some time in reflection, we have some music, and we sit.